You're listening to another life-transforming message from C3 Church, Salt Lake City. For more information on our church, go to c3saltlakecity.com. Come on, who loves this theme song? I'm telling you what, this is the message I'm about to get into in just a second. Jurassic Offense. Uh, we're in a series as a church, uh, God in Hollywood is basically taking movies in a message, and so I'm going to jump into that in a second. Thank you for the kind intro, and it's good to be back, good to be back with the family. Um, you know, uh, I, honestly, when I landed, my instinct was just to say, it's good to be home. That's literally what I thought in my heart, and I feel that way every time I get a chance to come and be with you guys, and happy first birthday. Man, this is so, this is exciting. Um, one year into to really being able to walk together like we have, be in community like we have, and you know, one of my favorite things to say, it's genuine, it's true, and, and this is my, my highest praise is that when I come here, when I hang with your pastors, it just feels like home. It just feels like home. This, this is the atmosphere. It just feels right. The presence of God is here. What a great time in worship as well. Let's give it up for the worship team. That was amazing. And, uh, you know, it's just it's fun to come back every, every time and to see new faces, seeing people growing, stepping up, stepping into their calling, into their purpose. And always a privilege to, to be here and hang. Also got one of our other uh, San Diego fam, Ruben, the legend right here. Yeah, stand, stand up, Ruben. Stand up. Let him see you. He's got better hair than me. He's got better hair than me. Looking good. I, uh, I, I uh, note to self, uh, when there's going to be a recording of you in a video and then you're about to step up, wear a different shirt. You know what I'm saying? Like, that would be preferable. I should have consulted uh, that video before I chose my outfit this morning. Actually, I only have one shirt, and uh, I'll take up an offering later uh, for me. That'd be great. <laughs> I was kidding. Yeah, I know. I was like, wow, I got the same shirt on except for I'm 300 feet tall and uh, larger than life up there. But, man, it's so good to be back, and um, I want to honor your pastors, Vince and Becca. I do love these guys. Come on, let's stand up, stand our feet, honor these two for their service, for investing, for their, their heart this year, and, and all the years they've sown into this community, sown into you guys, and hats off to you guys for just leading and loving so well. You guys have done so well, and it is, it's a blast. I love getting a chance to hang out uh, with your pastors, and we went to dinner last night late. They're partying late. They're still on Israel time. And uh, we, we partied late. I did not go up the mountain this time because I got altitude sickness last time and almost, you know, passed out, but it's all good. I was just my, my San Diego self, my sea level self. I uh, came here. We drove up the mountain, but uh, it's good to be good to have, have a nice uh, meal uh, on land down, down in the valleys here. And uh, but, you know, it's. It's fun. I really believe that this is the first of, of many great new seasons. I just want to add to the prophetic uh, word on that, that uh, there, this is a new season of increase. It's a new season of multiplication. That's what I was feeling for this, and I just declare year two is going to be that. There's been some planting. There's going to be harvesting. There's going to be reaping, and there's going to be multiplication because the fruit of this house is so beautiful, it's so rich, it's so incredible, uh, and it's getting planted, it's getting uh, dialed in, and as everything that's planted then has the opportunity to multiply. Same with your life, same with everything you do when it's planted and multiplies. I got to get into my message, but a couple other shout-outs, but I, I forget your first name. Elijah. Uh, as I was just praying for you, you're, you're incredible. I just saw the enemy trying to put kind of yellow caution tape around you, kind of like a do not enter sort of a situation. And it was just representing, you know, you know, lies of the enemy, fears that he might try to come at you with. But God's just saying that he's ripping that off because God's got so much for you. You just be unashamed, bold, step into your purpose. Those things that you felt like maybe you've been off limits, even dreams you thought, I can't dream that much. There's caution tape around it. God didn't put that there, okay? God's got amazing, unbelievable things for you, and I, I just see God busting some doors wide open for you right now. In Jesus' name, amen. And I uh, also got a shout out to Irish Sensation. Uh, Rich, gosh, 
if you if you were preaching this series, there's only one movie you could do that I would want to. I would. It'd have to be Braveheart. You know what I'm saying? Or something of that nature. And I don't even know my history, so it may be offensive because maybe that's not even Irish. Uh, I don't. I don't know. Uh, it's from that part of the world. I'm American. I don't understand. It's all. It's all one thing to me. I was shocked when someone said uh, this guy was British and he had an Irish accent, and I was like, what happened? And then I was like, oh, shoot, I'm an American. Great Britain includes Ireland, and I am a hot mess. Um, anyways, uh, Rich, so good. Thank you for the word. Thank you to you and your family. You guys are exceptional leaders and such a joy to this church. And I love seeing what God's doing in and through you guys. You're incredible. All right. Let, let's get into Jurassic Offense. I, I don't, you know, even if the message isn't good, the title is sick. You know what I'm saying? And, um, you know, we're, we're going to get into, we're actually going to, in a moment here, we're going to watch the first clip of the Jurassic World. And in, in this, this whole series of basically using movies to preach, movies with the message, think of this as modern-day parables. When Jesus, there were several times where he would share stories. He was trying to relay a certain meaning, a principle, a spiritual principle, a natural principle, and he would tell a story about a sower or a farmer or a builder or a father and a son or a, a boss and an employee, and he would tell stories that were parables that had real-life meaning to illustrate a concept. So this is the Jurassic World parable. And, and this is kind of the, the beginning of Jurassic offense. I'm going to talk about offense because it is scarier than any monster in these movies. And also, I really like this series. I like all of the Jurassic Park movies, and the new Jurassic World ones are incredible as well. And so we're going to get into watching the first clip in just a moment where there's a new dinosaur that has been manufactured. It's called the Indominus Rex. And Indominus Rex, or for today's illustration, Indominus Offense, Indominus Rex has been manufactured and is now growing out of control and, as you're going to see, about to get out of containment. So, team, if you're ready, let's go ahead and play the first clip. We've been pre-booking tickets for months. The park needs a new attraction every few years in order to reinvigorate the public's interest, kind of like the space program. Corporate felt genetic modification would up the wow factor. They're dinosaurs, wowing up. Not according to our focus groups. The Indominus Rex makes us relevant again. The Indominus Rex. We needed something scary and easy to pronounce. You should hear a four-year-old try to say Archaeornithomimus. We should hear you try to say it. So what's this thing made of? The base genome is a T-Rex. The rest is classified. You made a new dinosaur, but you don't even know what it is? The lab delivers us finished assets, and we show them to the public. Can we drop a steer, please? How long has the animal been in here? All its life. Never seen anything outside of these walls? We can't exactly walk it. And you feed it with that? Is there a problem? Animals raised in isolation aren't always the most functional. Your raptors are born in captivity. With siblings. They learn social skills. And I imprint on them when they're born. There's trust. The only positive relationship this animal has is with that crane. At least she knows that means food. So she needs a friend? We should schedule playdates, that sort of thing? Probably not a good idea. Where is it? Now, is it in the basement? They're downstairs? Maybe it's in the rec room. It was just here. We were just here. Oh, shit. It doesn't make any sense. Like, these doors haven't been open in weeks. Were those claw marks always there? 
you think it? Oh, God. She has an implant in her back. I can track it from the control room. until I was 13, I definitely consider Carl to be like more of a dad than my real yeah. dad. Yeah, hello? Larry, get me coordinates on the Indominus. Okay, yeah. Uh, let me do it. I'm doing it right now. Forty feet high. You really think she could have climbed out? Depends. On what? What kind of dinosaur they cooked up in that lab? Wait, what the hell? It's in the cage. No, that's impossible. I was just there. Claire, I'm telling you, she's in the cage. Wait, wait a second. There are people in there. Get them out of there now. Control. You need to evacuate the container. Hey, what's the problem? It's in the cage. It's in there with you. <laughs> Woo! Oh, if I show any more, we're going to have to start cooking popcorn. <laughs> Don't worry, we'll be back. Ah, oh, he's out. You know, um, as um, I'm watching this movie and just saying, God, speak to me about this, I really feel like God started uh, kind of teaching me around the whole topic of offense. And, you know, getting offended happens to all of us, but living with offense, choosing to kind of foster in our lives and not dealing with it, not overcoming offense in our life, is like it said later on in the movie, Indominus Rex is a killing machine. You know what? Offense is the same. Offense becomes an absolute killing machine in our life and our situation. What does it mean to be Offended, usually it's when some type of injustice feels like it's been done towards you. Something kind of hits you in a certain way. And what happens is if we don't deal with it, right, if we don't deal with the offenses that can come into our life and in our situation, it starts having similar tendencies to what we just saw there. First one is this about offense. How do we, how do we deal with this, this, this situation? First thing you'll notice about offense is that offense often grows in isolation, Offense grows in isolation. In this situation, Indominus actually became bigger than they anticipated. It grew out of proportion. It grew unhealthily in isolation. And you know what? The same thing happens with offense. When we get offended and we don't deal with it and we keep it in and we keep it in our lives, it starts growing out of control. It starts growing beyond what we thought. You know, there's a common story that many of us maybe heard about Mary and Martha when Jesus comes to town in Luke chapter 10. I'm going to take, you know, kind of focus on a little bit of a different angle of it. Luke 10, 38 says, As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. 
She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said, but Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him. So that there, there's a massive gap here that is not explained. It says that she was distracted by all the preparations, period. Then it says, she came to him, being Jesus, and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her to help me. And uh, so you can see here that there's, there's a situation that is sort of unfolding and in that day, there was no microwave, so this meal prep was not a quick situation. So Jesus and the disciples are chilling. Mary's hanging out with them, and Martha's back in that kitchen uh, doing all the work to get ready. And guess what else is probably happening? A massive, offended, uh, rage monster dialogue is starting to build up in Martha's head. As she's back there just cooking, Mary better get in here pretty quick. She kind of keeps peeking out the door. Is she still out there? Oh, man, I'm telling you what. If I have to do all this work by myself, and then if I have to do all the cleanup, you know what I mean? And she is building up this offense, and in isolation, it gets so big in Martha's mind, so much so that she feels entitled to come out and start bossing around the Messiah, right? But this is how big of a deal this offense is starting to build up, and she's so frustrated and so angry at Mary that she comes out in a rage and starts bossing around Jesus. Tell her what she should be doing, right? And of course, the story backfires on her, but the, the reality is for you and me is that when we allow offense to go undealt with, it grows out of control. In isolation, it will destroy your life. It will absolutely mess with you. Man, I know somebody hurt you. I know that offense was real. I, I know that situation wasn't right, but I'm telling you what, if you and me don't deal with offenses, it'll be the death of us. You'll be like the homeboy in the cage who couldn't run fast enough. You know what I'm saying? It's bad news. For I forgot to give you guys the, the movie warning about if you're not into animals eating humans, you may not want to watch uh, this this scene. But um, here's another thing about offense, some different characteristics about it. Offense determines who comes and who can stay in your life. Offense has this massive impact on whether or not the right people will actually stay close to you and stay in your world. A lot of people, you know, struggle with building great relationships or, or feel like there's always, you know, people are always leaving or I can't get close to people. But actually it could be because there's such an, uh, you're such an offendable person potentially. Or the offense is, is so big in your life that, no, that you're like the indominus in that cage and nobody in their right mind thinking that the monster was in the cage would go into it. But maybe that's a little bit how your situation is. This offense that was maybe last week or maybe 10 or maybe 20 years ago. Man, I know people. I know people personally who are a shell of who they could have been and who they used to be because of an offense from 15, 17 years ago. And, and it, it, it ate away at them. It grew out of control. And because of it, they've isolated themselves. They have no great people speaking into the world. And they're offended at every little thing that comes at them. And it absolutely is destroying who they are absolutely destroying who they are. Uh, I, it'll literally, this one specific person I'm thinking of, it'll take a miracle to shake them loose from the cage uh, of, of this offense because it is so deep that nobody can talk to them about it. Nobody can confront them about it. You know, sometimes we can get like that where we become this person that is so easily offended that people have to walk on eggshells. You know that feeling? You don't want to say something to somebody? Don't be that person. I just want to encourage you. If, if you're always reacting when someone says, you know, gets in your face and you're instantly defensive towards it and always pushing back on it, then chances are high you're allowing some type of offense to grow in your life, and it's actually going to hurt your ability to keep great people in your world. Yeah, you know, uh, King Saul, 
experienced this. You know, he was going to battle with the Philistines, and uh, here comes the young up-and-coming legend, uh, David, and he's been anointed, but he's just doing his thing, and all of a sudden, the giant Goliath comes out. He's in the people's face. Nobody wants to fight him. David says, I got this. He steps up. You know the story. He takes out the giant. It's amazing. It's exciting. A lot of celebration. They come back to the city. Everything's good. King Saul's good. David's good. And tell the local songwriters uh, make a little bit of a tactical error in their latest songs, right? The young maidens make up this song. They think it's a sweet idea. King not so pumped on it. Their song is... Saul has slain his thousands. That's, that seems all right, you know what I mean, as a military leader, you know, his thousands. But David is tens of thousands. Ugh. It was a rough day for King Saul. And what happened is he allowed that to bring offense into his situation. And because of that offense, it festered, it grew, it built. And before you know it, he's chucking spears at David. The thing that God had sent to help free him from the enemy, now he's trying to get out of his life. Now he's trying to kick out of his life. Now he's trying to harm it, kill it, stop it. And in our situations, we will push away the people that God is trying to bring in our life if we live with offense, if we live with it. Don't let offense rob your life. You know, a, a well-known speaker and author and, you know, one of, one of my heroes from back in the day and, and even current is John Bevere. And John Bevere wrote an iconic book about this topic called The Bait of Satan. And he basically, it's a bestseller and is just, you know, has gone all over the world. Why? Because it's such a common tactic of the enemy. The bait that the enemy uses to try to mess with his, God's people is offense. Because if he can get you offended, he knows that you will distance yourself from the people and from God, and you'll, you'll push away. And when you push away is when you're susceptible to ending up getting taken out by offense in your life, get taken out by the enemy. So don't, don't, don't give in to it. Don't, don't let offense come. Don't let it stay in your life. Don't, don't allow offense to be indominus rex in your situation where it grows out of control. So, here's the thing, though, about offense and why a lot of times we don't notice it. Because it usually comes in kind of stealth form. Offense usually doesn't come like the full-grown monster dinosaur, right? Offense always comes in seed form. It always comes in seed form, which is why a lot of times we don't stop it soon enough. We don't resist it. We don't deal with it. You know, my wife Katie and I were talking about, I was getting ready for this message, and we're processing through. I just asked her a question, which could be a bit dangerous. I said to my wife, what offends you? You know what I'm saying? And, you know, I was, I was nervous. I thought, well, she might have, like, a long list. You know what I'm saying? All directed at me. I don't, I don't know. You know what I mean? But she actually responded kind of like I imagine most of us would if I point blank asked you, what offends you? She was kind of like, well, she's kind of processing it a little bit. And, you know, as we started sort of fleshing it out, it wasn't like most of us can't usually just say like, well, this specific thing always offends me or this situation always offends me. But actually what ends up happening is, uh, you know, the, the seed forms of offenses of like unmet expectation. Some, some unmet expectation ah, kind of lodges in me in seed format. It frustrates me, but I don't deal with it, and I let it grow. Somebody mistreats me, and I get a little bit angry, right? I, 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 there's this anger that comes at me, and I, I don't deal with it, and I just I internalize it as seed form of offense. And really, offense usually comes in those, those small, little, subtle ways, right, that, that get into our world, and before you know it, they've grown out of control, some type of injustice, some type of thing where you felt wronged and, and whatever. It could be a small thing, but if it's not dealt with it, if it's not forgiven, if it's not removed, then it messes with us. Here's, here's what the Scripture says in Ephesians 4. This is in the NIV is how many of us would know this verse or a version of this. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold, right? Well, let, let me 
which is a, is a great verse, and you can draw a lot from that. But the amplified version of that verse adds some additional kind of adjectives and color around it. And let's, let's look at this because it, it speaks to this exact point. Be angry at sin, at immorality, at injustice, at ungodly behavior, yet do not sin. Do not let your anger cause you shame, nor allow it to last until the sun goes down. And do not give the devil an opportunity to lead you into sin by, watch this, by holding a grudge or nurturing anger or harboring resentment or cultivating bitterness. Right? So the grudges, anger, resentment, bitterness, these are the seeds of offense. And they come in subtle and they come in small and they can come from any direction and they get into our situations, and if we don't deal with them, if we don't deal with the fence, it can get out of control. And you know what? In a moment like this, it does feel like it's got a little bit quiet in here. And, uh, <laughs> but you know what? The reality is all of us ha- are dealing with this in different levels, right? All of us are facing this, whether it be from our spouse. You know, uh, you know my wife and I couldn't get offended at each other today because she's in San Diego, so it was a little bit... But every day in any relationship, you have an opportunity for offense to come, oftentimes multiple times a day. And in friendships, in church community, as great as this is, opportunity to get offended here at work with your boss, with coworkers, with politicians, with whatever. Offense is all around us. There's always opportunities for it to come, to mess with us, to get in our world. The, the question is, am I going to deal with it? Am I going to confront it? Am I going to overcome it so that it doesn't take me out? So it doesn't take me out. So let's talk about how are we going to overcome, how are we going to overcome offense? How are we going to take out offense in our life, in our situation? What, what, what is it going to take? Well, we're going to watch another clip of the movie here in a second. And in this movie, there's a, a part where it's sort of like the end battle. So this is the finale here. So... It's gonna get it's gonna get ferocious, but no more humans uh, get messed with. So just heads up, you're okay. Um, also, if you get offended during any of these clips, just apply the message. And uh, <laughs> but in this movie, there's a scene right before I'm about to show you here, where um, Indominus is you know trying to you know kill everybody, and it's a bad situation, and. And all of a sudden, one of the young boys in the scene, he has this realization because there's these other little raptors kind of trying to help him out. But he says, we need more teeth. We need more teeth. We need something bigger, something badder, something, some more teeth to help take out Indominus Rex. And in this situation, they, they call for some more teeth. So we're going to get into that. And I thought to myself, when it comes to uh, this whole situation of, of offense, the only thing that has more teeth than offense is forgiveness, okay? So let's check out the rest of this video. Larry, are you still there? Hey, where are you? I need you to open Paddock 9. Paddock 9? You kidding? Damn it, Larry, be a man and do something for once in your life. Why do you have to make it personal?
There we go. The T-Rex of forgiveness. <laughs> Just wanted to ruin that movie for you guys. Uh, every time you see it, you'll think of forgiveness and offense. The T-Rex of forgiveness, and I think they call it a Mosasaurus. I'm not a dinosaur nerd, but I've watched this movie a lot in preparation for this. That last animal that comes out of the water. I like to think of that as your church community. You know what I'm saying? Just coming alongside to help you overcome offense. So that's your connect group plug. Get in the connect group and help take out offense. <laughs> um, only forgiveness has more teeth uh, than, than offense. You know, a lot of times it, it can feel like the end of the world. It can feel like it's unovercomable. It can feel like there's just no way I can get past this with this individual or with that family member or that coworker or that situation. It just feels like it's beyond, but I'm telling you what. God can help us forgive. God can help us, by the grace of God, move beyond and allow forgiveness to flow. And forgiveness is the only thing that's going to set you free from the cage and the weight and the oppression that offense can bring into our lives. So let me give you a few things. How do we can we can overcome offense and, and forgive? Number one, we have to assume the best. Assume the best about people about situations. Boy, this can be harder than said than done, right? You, you know, we are so good as humans to jumping to conclusions, aren't we? Assuming we know enough to say something, boy, social media is filled with that. You know what I mean? Making tons of wild accusations and assumptions based on little information. We jump to conclusions, but usually it's the wrong one, isn't it? Or usually it's the negative assumption. We jump to the negative so easily, so quickly. I want to encourage us to fight, to reprogram ourselves, to jump to positive conclusions. Jump to the positive. When you hear something negative, just jump right away to assuming the best until proven otherwise. Assume the best. Go for it. We, if we're going to be able to forgive people, we have got to keep assuming the best about each other. Because offense comes, people say things, people don't say things, situations happen, and I've got to stop myself and go, you know what, even though this seems like a personal attack on me of some level, I am going to choose to see something different in this situation because I'm going to reason for a second with myself that I know they can't really hate me, that I'm sure they're not really out to get me. In this situation, I'm sure the whole universe is not attempting to sabotage my life, right? But we can get into that mode where we just think, oh, man, my spouse or my friends or that teacher or that boss. And, man, everyone just, no, I'm telling you what, don't live that way. That's, that'll be a breeding ground for offense. Assume good about people. Uh, you know what, a, Philippians 4a is a great kind of, you know, almost like spiritual medical prescription for dealing with offenses and helping with forgiveness. It gives us a list of things to think about or to think on. I don't know if we have that verse or not, but Philippians 4, it, it talks about whatever is lovely, whatever is pure. Okay, we don't. But I'll, I'll just make up some things. And, um, but it's about what's good. Whatever's of good report, whatever's lovely, whatever's pure, it says, think on those things. Think on those things. It's easy to find the negative. Man, we can all do it. Well, let's go have coffee. You'll find some negative about me, and I can find some about you real quick, right? Vice versa, it can happen. But nobody's winning awards for finding what's wrong about each other, right? Let's be the people who intentionally go after saying, what good can I find in another person? And here's the reality is that usually, or here's the science of it, is that my feelings follow my thoughts. So if I'm thinking negatively about somebody, I will start feeling negativity towards that person. That's the reality of our life. If you've ever been mad, you're frustrated at somebody, what have you just been thinking about? You're angry at somebody or some situation, what have you just been thinking about? My feeling is not a rogue emotion that comes and goes. It is a response. It's a trigger to my thinking. 
And so if I'm thinking good, then I will start feeling good. This is great for marriages that maybe you feel like you're on the rocks. Maybe you feel like you're just you're on some, you're really on edge with some things. Well, guess what? Start thinking differently about each other. Start assuming the best about each other. Start believing the best about each other. And watch love come back again. Watch the feelings come back again. Watch the emotion, the positive emotions come back again in our situation. Assume the best. Here's another one here. Uh, Forgive quickly, or I almost want to give you a little bit of grace on that, or at least continually, or at least as fast as you can. Because here's the reality. Offenses can be small or they can be great, and sometimes dealing with them is tough right? It's hard when somebody hurts you. And usually the closest people to us are the ones who wound us the most oftentimes. And it can be deep and it can be hurtful. And the whole like, don't let the sun go down on your anger. It just feels like almost too difficult, right? And you know, there's nothing magical about one night going by while you're still angry at somebody. Um, But it's a principle that the Bible's trying to help us out with is that that seed form of offense that's in you, if you let it grow too long, right? If you keep letting days and nights pass, festering on it, harboring it, fostering it, not dealing with it, not letting it go, man, you're going to start seeing the thing take root. You're going to start seeing the enemy have a foothold in your life. Just kind of get in there. Before you know it, he's let loose. Remember in that first clip where they opened up the door? (laughs) To, to escape, and it was just wide enough to let Indominus Rex out. And that's what ends up happening. The, the enemy is going to constantly attempt to get you to open the door a little bit so he can get out and get into your life and into your situation. So when, when the Bible calls on us to, to not let it go down on our anger, it's, it's helping us understand this is a danger to you. Staying offended Offense is going to come, but staying offended is a choice that you and me have, and it'll be absolutely destructive to my life. So forgive quickly, but also continually. You know the Bible is actually pretty clear on this. Uh, it says this in Luke 17, 3, uh, if your brother sins against you, rebuke him, and if he repents, forgive him. Okay, that's easy. That sounds good. Verse 4, and if he sins against you seven times, you might be thinking it's about to say in a month, in a year, but no, it says seven times in a day. And seven times in a day returns to you saying, I repent, you shall forgive him. And uh, I love the response of the apostles. They said, Lord, increase our faith. (laughs) They're They're not needing faith for miracles in that situation. They didn't need faith to forgive seven times in one day. Wow, this is insane. Jesus is unveiling something here that is so out of, like, the ordinary in their minds so it, I've never been offended by the same person seven times in one day. Maybe, maybe you have. But can you imagine, this is the bar that he's saying, listen, forgiveness is not something that just happens one time, three strikes, people are out. No, no, forgiveness is ongoing. It's never-ending. And here's why, because it's an act of faith. I love that they, they said, God, increase our faith. Why? Forgiveness is an act of faith, but it's fueled by grace. Forgiveness is an act of faith fueled by grace. I'm going to have the worship team come up and help me, help me land this plane. Um, it's fueled by grace because the reality is that you and me, if we're going to keep forgiving, if we're going to keep forgiving, it's because it's fueled by and responding to um, what Jesus did for us. Jesus did for us. That might sound a little bit cliche or almost too simple or too spiritual, but the reality is the world that we live in doesn't have the forgive seven times a day mantra. They go, man, if you wrong me once, okay, maybe, but two times and we're done. Three times for sure we're done. But that's not the mandate that Jesus puts on us. Why does he do that, though? It's because you and me have been forgiven such an unbelievable debt of sin that there's nothing that anyone on earth could do to me that is greater than the debt that I have already been forgiven. Therefore, because of this unbelievable, over-the-top show of grace towards me from Jesus, he now says, now, Sam, I want you to go and do the same. I need you to keep forgiving people. I need you to remember grace so that you can go 
and extend forgiveness to other people. I think forgiveness is one of the best displays of who Jesus is to the world that we live in. When you've been hurt and you still forgive. When you've been wronged, when injustice has come to you, you keep extending mercy. Man, that's not normal. That's not the way the world operates. And so it it draws attention to go, man, why would you do that? Why would you keep forgiving? Why would you keep treating with honor? Why would you keep showing mercy? Why would you keep extending grace? How could I not? (laughs) How could I not? When I've been forgiven such a great debt, when I've been forgiven so much in my life, that doesn't mean it's easy, but by the grace of God, he gives us grace to forgive. He gives us grace to keep forgiving, to keep extending mercy. Many of us in this room, we may be held hostage by an offense and by unforgiveness towards somebody because of that offense. And this morning, I want to help you get free. You know, I've, I've had times in my life where I'd started to allow a little seed of offense to build up, and so much so that it almost took me out in key areas of my calling several times over the years. It just built, it festered, and man, I can't believe this person, and man, how come that, and and it starts getting out of control. And thankfully, uh, you had a wife who, like, you know, calmed me down a couple times and helped me to not sabotage my purpose. And, but that's going to happen in our lives if we don't deal with it, if we don't extend forgiveness, if we don't move on beyond it. So I want to pray with you guys here this morning. Anyone who's dealing with an offense right now, maybe there's an area that, is still holding some unforgiveness in your life and in your situation. And, you know, today's the day to let it go. Today's the day to begin to extend forgiveness to people. And I'm not asking you, and maybe you've heard it said like this when talking about forgiveness, I'm not asking you to forgive because they deserve it, right? Or because what they did wasn't that bad. That's not why I'm asking you to forgive. I'm asking you to forgive because Jesus forgave you. I'm asking you to forgive because you are in a prison cell of unforgiveness and you don't realize it. And it just chokes the life out of you. And only when I break out of that do I find freedom. Only when I break loose and I extend forgiveness do I find healing and freedom and just a a fresh grace on on our life and our situation. So everybody taking a moment of self-reflection. Anyone in the room and say, man, you know, this is for me. Maybe there's an individual, maybe there's a group of people, maybe it was recent, maybe it was 30 years ago. But you know there's something that you're holding on to, there's, there's an offense of some kind that's in your life right now, and you know it's time to forgive and it's time to release it. Why don't you just go and lift up your hand. Let me know who I'm, who's also with me. Yep, a bunch of us, almost all of us. You know, I mean, a lot of us have things and situations. It's here to encourage you to let it go. Forgive, release grace, right? Let's all stand to our feet. I want to pray with all of us here together. But here's what I want us to do. Just kind of everyone hands lifted, especially those who, who there's, there's an area of forgiveness. You, it's time to release. And Here's what I want us to do right now. Just taking a moment, God helping you, a step of faith fueled by grace right now. I want you to just begin to declare forgiveness. I want you to forgive that person, those individuals, that group, that nation, that city, those people, that lawyer, that doctor, that spouse, that child, that parent. Who who do you need to forgive today, right now? Just begin to forgive. Father, we just release forgiveness today. Father, we just release it right now in the name of Jesus. We forgive. We forgive. You're so good, God. We forgive what they've done to us, what they said, what they didn't say, that thing. Right now, we just extend grace, extend mercy, extend forgiveness. Now, this can be harder for some than others, so don't take it lightly. It's a big thing, but right now, God's bringing freedom into your situation. Here's what I want us to do, kind of step two, kind of anding it up a little bit. Not only do I want you to forgive, but now I want you to pray that God would bless that person. This, is, this can be the hard part. Pray God's grace on them. 
Jesus said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they do. Extend mercy right now. Father, we bless those who've hurt us. We bless those who've persecuted us. We bless those who've done injustice to us. God, we ask, God, that your mercy would be on them. We ask, God, that they would find hope, that they would find grace, that they would find healing, that they would find forgiveness, that they would find you in this moment. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. We worship you this morning. Father, I thank you right now. Just release healing on every single individual in this room who's just forgiven maybe for the first time or they've forgiven again a situation that keeps coming back, keeps coming into the, into the world. God, I just pray that mercy would come. I pray freedom right now in the name of Jesus. Freedom right now in the name of Jesus to come and move in their situation right now. Healing come. Healing come right now in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. I believe there's going to be some of you who've had physical sickness that you haven't been able to find the, the cure for. And it's been actually been bound up because of a fence that's actually been holding you hostage. And as you're forgiving today, you're actually going to find healing to be again to come to your physical body as a response to that. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Let me ask one more question before I go. Everybody's had bad eyes closed. It's about you and your relationship with God. We, we don't like to end our services without giving every single person in, in this room an opportunity to make the most important decision, which is, are you going to follow Jesus or not? You know, he came and he died on the cross to pay the debt of our sin, to take it on himself. And in exchange, he gives us life. He gives us hope. He forgives us of all our sins. He, he washes us clean. He gives us a hope. He gives us a future. But he calls on you and me to make the decision to put our faith in him to say Jesus I'm going to follow you not my own way anymore not my own path anymore but I'm going to choose to put my, my trust in you there could be one there could be a dozen in this room who you say this is the moment today your heart's beating fast you've never yet made the decision to follow Jesus and today's the day this is your moment you say Samuel count me in this prayer I'm going to go all in in my relationship with God or maybe you've done that in the past, you just feel distant, and you want today to be kind of a, a fresh start, drawing a line in the sand, stepping across and saying, Jesus, I've been running, but I'm back home, and I'm all in. I'm following you. On the count of three, either one of those situations, I just want you to boldly lift up your hand. Let me know who I'm praying with this morning. One, two, three. Go and lift up your hand. That's you. Awesome. Great. See your hands. Awesome. See your hands. See your hands over there. Awesome. See you, sir. See you, ma'am. Incredible. Anybody else up top? Awesome. I don't want to miss anybody. Great. See you up in the back there. Awesome. So good. So proud of you guys. We're cheering you on. We're so excited for you. What a great day. What a great moment this is, making that decision to go all in in your relationship with Jesus. So here's what we're going to do, church. Every single one of you, raise your hand. Maybe even you're about to, as a church, we're all going to pray along with you this prayer of bold declaration to follow Jesus. And as you do, I want you just to know you're coming close to God. He's bringing you close to him. He's forgiving you of all of your sins. You're walking out here today clean, whole, forgiven, healed, and on the right track. So church, repeat this after me. Say, Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Jesus to die on the cross for my sin and raising him from the dead to give me life. Holy Spirit, Fill me, empower me. Today, I choose to follow you. I'm all in. The past is the past. I'm looking forward. I'm following you. From this moment on, I'll never be the same again. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. Come on, let's give it up for everyone who just made that decision. They're going to give you some instructions about what to do next to those who just made that decision. But it was so fun getting a chance to be back with you guys. I love you guys. Happy one year. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our pastors, team, and what we do at C3 Salt Lake City, go to C3SaltLakeCity.com.